The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on. Episode of the Heat Check. Giannis, Giannis, Giannis. Bleed down his damn face, doing the damn thing, being the best player in the motherfucking world. Yes, sir. We break down what was potentially the best playoff game of the year, maybe going to go down in the pantheon of games. We also talk about one of my very favorite subjects within that game. I just love to give props to Drew Holiday. Yep, I get into the about how the Warriors are in real deal Holyfield trouble. Trouble, trouble. I told you. I told you. Also, some news around the league. And one of those things is all about Phil Jackson's return to the Lakers, Circus in Brooklyn. Also, how Zach Levine probably going to end up somewhere else other than Chicago. Hopefully not Portland. So much popping in the association, Brock. So do me a favor and drop that motherfucking beat. Tell me, what is happening in Brooklyn? I am so serious. Does it feel toxic to you? Is it just me? Or does it feel broken? Like, not quite broken, broken? You know when you see, like, a crack in the glass and you're like, that? Like I can't put wine in that. This is going to be a bad night if I try to put some Pinot in that. So, Nets GM, uh, Sean Marks, just gave an interview to the press exit interview of the season and boy oh boy does it feel like they are at a crossroads truthfully I don't think I've ever seen an end of season interview like this maybe ever I guess maybe Steven Silas but that was a different thing that was just like pitiful we suck I don't know how we get out of this hole like someone help us this is like yo hard decisions coming down you know they're hard we know they're hard, and we know you're going to probably have to make the wrong decision because you have no other options. He talked about a few things that I wanted to point out. Because if you're not on SNY.TV on the Twitter feed, you might have missed him and his accent going off about the state of affairs with the Nets. First and foremost, question time. Hey, Sean, are the Nets committed to Kyrie Irving long term? Chirp, 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 chirp. Um, according to Sean Marks, does not appear that the answer is an overwhelming yes. The answer is, we'll see. 
We'll see. Here is what Sean Marks had to say from his own mouth. hundred percent. We have to factor all of that in. You know, when, when you're honestly where we are, when you're giving somebody a minimum contract and it doesn't pan out, it, it still factors in to how you're building a roster and how much tax you're paying and so forth. So certainly when you're looking at players that are making 30 or $40 million or potentially making that, you have to factor in everything. And that's, you know, that's your... your that's, that's the hard part of the business, right? We can all see what they can do on the court. It's one thing when, you, when you're evaluating players, whether it's at the college level or at the pros, like what makes them tick? What goes into, you know, you know what drives them? Do they want to be part of this? You know, are they motivated by something that maybe the, you know, there's not good for the whole team here? So those are questions we're going to have to ask ourselves and also ask the players that we want to bring back in here. How, 48 seconds, folks, said a lot. First and foremost, a lot of obfuscation, big words, just ducking and dodging out of the way with saying yes. As long as Kyrie wants to be here, we want Kyrie to be here. Did not say that, did he? He also made sure to point out uh, we're looking for guys that want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, not just in the world, Kyrie, within this basketball organization. This is very uh, specific, we're not talking about you getting on Zoom calls with Cynthia Nixon. We're talking about this Nets organization right here, okay? Play team basketball and be available. And be available. Here's another little clip that was definitely not supposed to be about Kyrie, but it was. The culture is always going to change and tweak as to who, who comes in here. Did we take a step back? You know, without a doubt. Without a doubt, the, the culture isn't what it quite was. And it's going to be our job you know, to, to pick that up. And between Steve and myself as leaders of that, we will certainly be doing that. But again, we've got to find the players again that are going to drive that culture. It has to be driven by players. It cannot be driven by one or two people. It's got to be driven by the players. They've got to want it. We've got to find players, again, that have the characteristics that um, support that, which is going to be a little bit of that grit and determination and fight. I think we know what we're looking for. You know, we're looking for guys that want to come in here, be part of something bigger than themselves. Um, play selfless, play team basketball, uh, and be available. And that goes not only for Kyrie, but for, for everybody here. Oh, oh, are they motivated by something that's not good for the whole team here? Do they want to be a part of this? Shots fired. Kyrie, get your ass together. And they're over a barrel. He can sign the player option if he chooses, as Sean Marks noted. But there's a lot of bad decisions, and pretty much all of them end with you signing Kyrie Irving to a five-year deal right now. Like, they pretty much all end up there. Like, you try to go the choose-your-own-adventure, and then you end up, you know when there's, like, the flow chart, and you just end up at the same spot no matter what the flow is? Like, whatever part of the flow chart you decide, it just ends up with signing Kyrie to a max. Five years. You're going to do it now, or you're going to do it a year from now, so you're even pushing the timeline out another year. <sighs> Sheesh. Also, another thing that Sean Marks had to say, I couldn't find the clip, but it was a quote on the New York Post that also gave me a little perk up. Um, they asked him about the culture, Sean Marks. What do you think he said? You think he said it was good? Did he think he said it was good? What do you think? Uh, did we take a step back? This culture is not what it used to be. It's going to be our job to pick that up between Steve Nash and myself as the leaders of that will be doing that. We've got to find players that will drive 
the culture. It has to be driven by players. It cannot be driven by one or two people, a.k.a. me and Steve Nash. It has to be driven by the players. They've got to want it. We've got to find players that have the characteristics to support that, which is going to be grit, determination, and fight. Folks, do they want to be part of this? Are they motivated by something that's not good for the team? We need to build a culture. Culture has taken a step back. Can't be driven uh, by me and Steve. Needs to be driven by players. All of these things. Do you see where we're going? He also mentioned that because they have huge contracts on the books, that the roster will be, and I quote, a revolving door. Sir, how, let me ask you, Truthfully, and I wish I was there, how do you build an elite culture if your roster is a revolving door? How do guys buy into being a part of something greater than themselves if they don't even know how long they're going to be somewhere there for? We'll move on from this. So much to unpack. I also want to know what the f*** happened with James Harden. What's happening with him? All right. This is what he has to say about Harden. It's a two-way street. Whenever you bring a player in here uh, to any organization, or anybody for that matter, not even a player, and, and it's not a fit, you know, you have to look in the mirror and you have to say, okay, what could we have done differently? You know, the onboarding piece is easy, right? Everybody can say, hey, look, come here. I can sell this, that, and that. It's the offboarding piece. That's where you've got to make sure, well, why? Did I debrief on this? Did, did I really debate? Did I really do everything I could? Did we as an organization do everything we could for not only James, for everybody that comes through those doors? So it's a good point for us to reflect on it. Um, but again, I think when players' minds are made up and James's mind is made up, you know, I, I think it's also foolish to try and change their minds to that extent too. Like, you know, if it's not a fit and you're paying a guy 30 plus million dollars, and it doesn't work. You have to make a decision. And, you know, I, I think that's something that we did. We pivoted quickly, moved, and w we weren't stuck trying to figure out decisions and what could have been and what, you know, it's time to move on from that perspective. How important was it for the organization to reconnect with the fan base in that way and, and get that support through the year? Absolutely incredible. Uh, I mean, I, you, know, you guys have all been in Barclays. You know what it sounds like, and, and you know the energy that's in that building. And, and to have, um, you know, to, to be quite frank, to have been here six years and to see sort of where it's come and to see it continue to grow. You pivoted fast. You got rid of his ass. Is, are you seeing what I'm seeing here? Culture. Guys don't want to be here. What are we doing to cause guys to get turned off so much that they were just here and now they're forcing their way out? Then he told, uh, I want to say the athletic earlier, it's just a feeling. It's a feeling of when you know this is not working. When it's on the court, off the court, for a variety of different circumstances, I give James credit for telling us, being open, upfront, and honest, I don't want to be here anymore. This motherfucker Kyrie Irving is crazy. He won't get vaccinated. I have to play all the minutes. My fat ass is not in shape for this. The whole tenor of this presser was just like, we want to make people be here. James Harden didn't want to be here. Veil jabs at Kyrie and, by the way, Ben Simmons, who isn't playing basketball and making $30 million. Lots of shots fired here. Team honestly, to me, show. This is a show. I look back and I sit back in my seat and I'm trying to be 
as open-minded and as optimistic and as pushing P as I can, there's too many things going on. There's just too many things, extra things that make it roadblocks for this team to win. Kai, and then you're, now you need to figure out. You can pay Kyrie Max contract. He's injury prone. We don't even talk about his walkabouts anymore. Like the walkabouts, just like uh, an issue that just has fallen off the ledger because it's a COVID thing. Like, no, he took a leave of absence without asking the team and decided I'll come back whenever I want. He was not playing when James Harden trade went down. He was going to his sister's birthday party, getting suspensions, not wearing masks. I love Kai. I love his game. I just want to say, for the record, I love Kyrie Irving. I'm a big Kyrie Irving fan. Damn it, does he make it hard to be in his camp. And I know how bosses are. I know how employees and employer relationships go down. It doesn't take much for them to say, ah, should we maybe go a different direction? I don't know. Doesn't matter how talented you are, but all the, they'll say like, you're a great talent on the floor, but all the off the court stuff, Kyrie, we just need to worry about, are you really committed to being here? This conversation's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to lead to Kyrie Irving getting the max, but I'm telling you, they're not happy about it. Drama, 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 and I don't think they become, if, if you take a bet on the Nets, on them being a favorite to win the title again, after everything went down, you're an idiot. That's all I have to say. Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. Serious question for the Laker fans out there. Laker fans. How are you feeling about the prospect of uh, Phil Jackson back deep into the mix? Deep into the mix in L.A. Are you happy about this news? Because I can't possibly see how you are happy. Truthfully. What we do know is that, according to reports, Phil Jackson, from the clouds, all the way back, deep with the Lakers. So deep, we'll put her to sleep. You see what I did there? Get my hint. If I didn't do it with the music and I didn't do it with the lyric and you didn't do it with the double entendre, then you just are not getting my jokes. You know who's not happy for sure that Phil Jackson's back into the fold? My man, Rob Palinka. Because if there's one person that can usurp Kobe Bryant's agent as the main man in charge of the Lakers, it's the Zen master himself, Mr. Peyote Tantra, like Nuru Massage Phil Jackson. Google that. The reports are wild, folks. Sam Amick, former uh, co-worker of mine, make no mistake, he says, there are powerful people close to the Lakers who are not thrilled with the reality <laughs> that Jackson's voice is being taken into account when he has no formal position with the franchise. Hey, hey, hey. Like it or not, Buss has relied on this sort of informal counsel. Informal counsel. Are those not the best two words to describe what's happening with Jeannie Buss and Phil Jackson? Informal counsel. Hey, girl, you trying to come over? Maybe we can have a drink after work. You can stay over, and I can give you some informal counsel. (laughs) (laughs) 
And like clockwork, and like clockwork, the rumors now are flying around, wild rumors. And they all are centering on the fact that Phil Jackson being back into the fold has his eyes set on a, on a, a point guard that has been getting slander, a point guard that has been utilized in his ways and his eyes ineffectively. There is not a snowball's chance in Hill Phil Jackson comes back to the bench and has a clipboard, but his little hands and his fingers, like Geppetto, are on the strings of things. His views on Russell Westbrook, yes, yes, might seriously impact the future of the franchise in these ways. First, rumors through the grapevine are coming through that Mr. Triangle Offense himself wants to trade LeBron James. <laughs> and Jeannie Buss, you know, she, even though she loves his informal counsel, informally counseling her, she's like, nah, I'm sorry. Like, this massage was good and all, but like, uh, you're not massaging me into this, okay? So she shut that down. And then now the second rumor is if the Lakers do keep LeBron, Phil's like, yo, the next coach needs to be able to figure out a way to make this big three work. Yes. The loose big three, loose big three. We'll call it the the revolving door of availabilities, right? <laughs> Phil likes Russ. Phil wants to run it back with Russ. All the money that he has on his contract. I don't know what to make of this. Even when healthy, we know this. The big three don't make no sense. They don't make no damn sense. As I've said before, as the season started, we're talking spacing issues. We're talking problems that were very evident in preseason when the Lakers, like, did not win a preseason game. Even Frank Vogel's dumbass knew this is not going to work. I don't know how to make this work, but I am I am underqualified for this job. I don't know who is qualified, but it's not me. And now Russ has PTSD. Add that in. He's been taunted all season long. Fans are going after his kids, talking about Westbrook this, Westbrick that. Don't talk about my name like that. Put some respect on my name. Wife's going out on Instagram. She's caping for him. is happening. Don't you think he would just... Also, Magic Johnson going on first take, sullying his name like he wasn't an MVP. Sullying his name like he wasn't top 10 in MVP voting when he just played in Washington two seasons ago. Like, folks... Don't you think you'd just rather, like, I'm done with this sh- Just buy me out. Let me hang out in L.A. with my friends. I can make more Honor the Gift t-shirts and, like, expand my brand and build a school or something. It was painful watching a guy hit the side of the backboard as many times as he did. Like, there was, like I said, many, 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 many times, montages on this. It's happened. Surreal for a guy who was just top 10 in MVP voting. So if you're a Laker fan... The return of the informal council <laughs> and the return of the king, James, might just be an omen of doom, gloom, and zoom. Back into the lifeboat. Lakers might just be the Titanic folks, and damn, can I hear the string quartet playing in the waters. Funny how honey ain't sweet like sugar ain't sweet. On the street like hookers, I tongue kiss her other tongue. Ski, 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 water gun. Oh my God, Becky, look at Oh, you only live once, that's the motto, YOLO. That's what my man Zach Levine is feeling right now. What did I say? What did I say? 
You guys were trying to tell me Zach Levine was worth the max. Bulls were excited about paying him the max. Tristan, he's not leaving. He will never leave Chicago. He loves it here. He didn't sell his mansion because he was going to another city. He was selling his mansion to get a new mansion here in Chicago. Tristan, be nice to us. No. No. He's leaving. He's gone. Remember, I told you guys. That's exactly what's happening. Now the news is Zach Levine is going to, one, be undergoing a scope on his left knee that has been bugging him for most of the last season. Rut row. Rut row. Another scope to the knee right before you have a max extension contract offer. Talk. Chose to forego surgery, which was big dumb. You should have done that months ago so that we know at least, like, what's happening with it. Anyway. Chose to forgo surgery, and now this procedure, just a tiny bit concerning because it's on the same knee that he tore the ACL on. Sources say, no structural damage. I do not care. That is a big yikes. Big news, though, the real big news is that Zach has told, I want to say the athletic, I am going to enjoy all of the pleasures and leisures of free agency. All of the things that free agency affords me, why me, dine me. Pay me, sway me. Show me clipboards. Show me PowerPoints. Tell me you love me. I've never had that before. I had to be a, a restricted free agent. Like Sacramento had to offer me this deal, and then you had to match it, but you really didn't want to. And now it's time for me to test every team. The free agent waters fully. And Chicago's like, I don't know. <laughs> we might treat you like a restricted free agent again. See what you can get out there. And there's a big reason that this should not come as a surprise, folks. And its name, his name is is Rich Paul. Rich Paul gets his boys money, man. If you are not Nerlens Noel, you get paid. This is what Zach said. I think they're going to put a lot of things on the table. And that's not going to be really for me to go in and argue with them for. Hell yeah. I think that's what Rich and AK get to discuss. Obviously, that's Arturis Karnasovas. Uh, GM of the Bulls. Obviously, I've proven myself in this league and who I am as a player and your durability concerns. And I think that's what I have him on my behalf for is to represent me and have these talks. This is a business. Everybody's going to try and take advantage of everybody at a certain point going into negotiations, but I'm glad I get to view it from afar. He's looking at free agency, folks. Who do the tea leaves say wants him? First and foremost, trailblazers. Insert cricket sounds. It's terrible. That's just not happening. We've already seen CJ and Dame. I don't need to see Zach Levine and Dame to know that's not going to work. Like, we have to, at some point, renounce Nurk for this thing to happen. It's just going to be Dame and and Zach Levine, two one, one-sided players, one-way players. All they do is get buckets, and they get, like, get you 40, give up 50. And we now it's a shell. Oh, that's just not happening. I'll I'll leave you with this part. Would you rather have Josh Hart for thirteen million or Zach Levine for thirty eight million? I I mean, take the time. Take the time. I'll wait. Cause for me, it's a simple decision. I we're keeping Josh Hart. Josh Hart can rebound. Josh Hart can defend. Josh Hart can pass. Josh Hart can defend players. He can also drop 49 on the Wizards. That man can also get buckets. Do not sleep on Josh Hart. The other probable landing spot is the Lakers. 
That's what they're saying, at least. Delusional. People feel that they can find a way to make this contract fit. I don't see it. If they're going to have Alex Caruso walk over a paltry few million dollars a year over the luxury tax, do you think they're going to take on Zach Levine's contract? What? What? They're going to trade Russell Westbrook for Zach Levine? So the question is, what is Zach Levine worth on the open market? And are the Bulls willing to take that and pay that? Or if they say, all right, uh, Zach, you do that. We'll work out a sign and trade and you can go the hell somewhere else. The big segment. Talking about the Bucks celtics series because, holy, what a game. Bucks were... Mollywopped by the Celtics for nearly the entire game, and yet somehow, some way, they figured out a way to pull out a win. Was Celtics Bucks? I wonder the best game five in history. It was close. It was so good. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. I'd like you guys in the in the comments in my DMs to let me know what's a better game five than that. It had everything. Giannis dominance late in the game, blood dripping down his face, snarling, flexing, Al Horford on a trampoline at a million. Like old man strength, old man hops. Where'd you get those hops from? Did Oklahoma City let you get those when they put you on the bench last year? Pat Connaughton hitting corner threes, more impressively, never bringing the ball down towards his uh, waist. He just catches it high, shoots it high. That is impressive. Tatum defining moment type of game, doing exactly what we wanted him in a clutch game. He did everything, solidifying himself at least in the top 10. Marcus Smart, f***ing up. (laughs) Thinking that he should be the one to take the last shot of the game. Thinking that he should be running the, the offense and getting his pocket picked by Drew Holiday. But the best part to me by far in this game was the final 11.4 seconds. There's been now articles written about this, but if you haven't read them because you don't have any time, we're going to break it down. Crazy, though. The craziest thing was before this game tipped off, I had somebody ask me, a friend said, truthfully, Trista, would you rather have Drew Holiday or Marcus Smart on your team? And it was a testament to how good Marcus Smart's been playing in this playoffs, but the answer is an always, always Drew. It's always an easy Drew. Not even a question. But if you look at the list of the smartest players in the league, Drew Holiday is on that list. If he's not on your list, you don't know hoops. That's true. Like, that's it. Just He's probably top one or two, maybe three. It's Draymond, it's Braun, it's Drew. It's like his IQ for the game is unparalleled. What about those 11.4 seconds? Drew's fingerprints all over him. Like he won them the game. It was the coup de grace. Bucks up one. Out-of-bounds play. Bobby Portis just had a rebound put back to put the Bucks up one after Giannis, of course, missed a free throw. Celtics take a timeout. They're in their own front court. Mark Smart gets the ball, designed to throw the ball to Jason Tatum, except for Pat Connaughton forces Marcus Smart not up high on the wing, forces him closer to the baseline by playing and, and defending up, up high, cheating. Marcus thinks Pat Connaughton overplayed his hand and overplayed him to give him a wide open lane. Oh, contraire, mon frere. He thinks he has a free look to the rim. Tatum is now no longer an option to pass to because 
Smart gets the ball too far down towards the baseline, and the passing lane is closed. Conadin gets back in front of Marcus Smart at the last minute, looking like he f***ed up, and chases back to contest. Marcus Smart's like, yeah, I'm going to be the man now. Everybody was showing those highlights of me passing the ball to Tatum. I'm going to be the one. They're going to show highlights of me. Looks like a free layup, right? Looks like a free layup. Drew has has kept back on Jalen so that he doesn't pass, so Marcus Smart doesn't pass the ball to Jalen. But he's not worried about Jalen, truthfully. He's lying in the weeds, making Marcus Smart believe he's got the shot. And when Marcus Smart goes up, thinking that he's got Pat Connaughton beat, no, no, Drew Holiday comes back over, blocks his sh- cups it, doesn't, doesn't hit it out of bounds, he's right underneath the hoop, cups it under his arm, steps down with one foot, lands on one foot, Puts his other foot down, pivots back, twists around, runs on the baseline, sees that he has nobody else on his team to pass to. So what does he do? Throws the ball at the perfect angle off of Marcus Smart, not touching his body. 6.4 seconds, night-night, sleep mask. It's the foul game. Now we have the game set up. Yes! What? Drew Holiday, you're the man. He says this. I didn't want to hit it and make it go out of bounds. I wanted to keep it in bounds. What's the point? He said earlier to the Athletic earlier this season. What's the point of stealing the ball if then you just hit it out of bounds and I get it anyway? Well, there's no point to that play. I was just thinking like instinctual. It's not like I planned it out or anything. But then Drew Holiday wasn't done. Conadin then gets the ball like white boys do when it's free throw time. 5.9 seconds left. Swish, swish. Bucks up three. Celtics inbound the ball. Drew now intercepts or stops Smart at the half court and, yup, picks his pocket clean. Dribbles out the shot clock, dribbles out the clock, end game, night-night, doesn't even try to hit the layup, just lets the clock expire. It took 11.4 seconds for Drew Holiday to end the Celtics' soul and their hopes. Like, they, I mean, I know that they were shook. We know that they believe, oh, yeah, we, we can go back to Milwaukee. We can get one. Can you, though? Can you in a closeout game? This is why Drew Holiday got four first rounds for him. This is why Milwaukee paid a king's ransom for Drew. His IQ in the highest moments are out of this world. Not even going to talk about the fact that he hit a late game three to put them up as well when he was absolutely cold. From, from the line, cold, from shooting. Just every part about him was awful until the end of the game. Giannis put up 40, and everybody is just talking about Drew Holiday. I could get in to the fact that Iguodala says Drew Holiday has the strongest core in the NBA or how Dr- Drew Holiday trains barefoot because the feet are the, the center of all strength and balance and all of the things that he do centers on his ankles and feet strength. But it comes down to the biggest muscle of all, the brain. And no one's got a bigger basketball brain than Drew Holiday, and the Bucks are now in the hunt. They're going to win the championship potentially because of Drew, Drew. Why would you use that song as your motivation? I don't know. But it is the Memphis Grizzlies song. And Steph Curry decided that was going to be their game plan. Oh boy, folks. Trouble in paradise now. The Warriors, the Warriors, 
come out to play. I thought you guys had that game sealed up. I thought you guys were the favorites to win it all. How did you just get your doors blown off, Warriors, by almost 50 points? You know there's never been an NBA champion that ever got blown out by 40 points in a game during the playoffs? Maybe it can be you, Warriors. Maybe you'll be another team, another time for you that you break a record that's never been set before. It all began by Steph Curry deciding he wanted to showboat, deciding he didn't want to be humble. He said... Getting a little loosey-goosey. Kendra, J- Kendra Andrews, Malika Andrews' sister, asked Steph Curry about the game plan heading into Game 5. Let's just let her tell you herself. But Malika, I also asked Stephen Curry what the plan was tonight, and he just turned around and looked at me and said, whoop that trick. That <laughs> is our game plan. Oh, My goodness. Taking their own catchphrase and putting it back. Thank you so much. Uh, um... That was not a good idea. Whoop that trick. <sighs> Steph, do you even know what that means? Like, really? Do you even know? It's like when it's like when I started saying push and pee, and I thought it was like pushing positivity, but I didn't wasn't really sure what it actually meant. It's like that. I don't really know. I'm I'm pretty sure it's this, but like if you told me it was something else, I'd be like, I, I yeah. That's, I mean, sounds right. That sounds right. I'm not in as much with the culture anymore. I'm grown now. We got shows to write. So the game plan was to, quote, whoop that trick. And instead, they got, they were the tricks. They got their asses whooped. Worst playoff loss in Golden State history. At one point, Golden State was down 55 points. 55 points. Are you kidding me? Normally you just wash this game away. You ride it off. One of those nights, right? It has now been eight full quarters. And the Grizzlies have outplayed Golden State 98% of those times. This is not the same team that scored 142 in Game 3. Something is in the water. Oh my, oh my Steve Kerr COVID. What is happening with this? The offense is not flowing. And multiple times in the last game, both Draymond and Curry are visibly frustrated when cuts are not being made by the young boys. Hey, get in your spots! Folks, this is an issue. This is an issue I've been talking about since the 2021 draft. I've been saying this for nearly two years now. James Wiseman's not the answer. James Wiseman's never going to be there for you. You need a real center. And yours doesn't have it. The Warriors are getting dominated by Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark, and most importantly, Steven Adams. It's Adams' return to health in this series that has been the dramatic turning point. The Warriors never addressed their lack of size in the middle, and now they're paying the price. They've gotten out-rebounded on the boards, 18-4 to four offensive boards. Truth be told, truth be told. The series should already be over. Memphis should have already closed their asses out if Jaw was healthy, if they would have just made, wouldn't have let the lead go away in game four, or Jaw would have hit his layup in game one. It's night-night. The Warriors should not be the favorites to win at all. The Warriors, even if they come out with a win against Memphis Grizzlies, you can't do this to the Suns. The Suns will pulverize you. Kidding me? They turned the ball over 14 times, leading to 25 Memphis points. They gave up 77 points in the first half to a team that was missing its top scorer and biggest star. 
They were down 27 at the end of the first half and got outscored 42 to 17 in the third quarter. This is a team that literally just made their stars rest in the middle of the third quarter at Golden State. The other major problem that the Warriors are having are they're just fouling like crazy. Discipline issues, carelessness, and it's hurting the team. They had 23 fouls, 17 for Memphis in Game 5. An astounding nine players on that team had two or more fouls. Folks, warning, warning. Golden State is showing, I see your true colors shining. Hate to see it. Hate to fucking see it. And it's not just a problem for this Memphis series. Like I said, it's a problem, period. I've been talking about this for a minute now. All of the fears that I had about Golden State coming to light right now. I was accused of slandering them, but you know what? Maybe I just see things before they come to light. Sloppy with the rock. No interior defense. When threes don't fall, they have trouble scoring. Then the other team gets out to a, a, a transition offense. What do you do then? It just piles on and piles on and piles on. And the Grizz are doing this without Ja Morant. It is incredible how fluid their offense is running without Ja. They don't have a reliable bucker getter in the fourth quarter, but who cares when you're up 50? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And they're doing it without Dylan Brooks. He's been so bad, even he's saying he's trash. He said in his postgame treasure, presser, I'm my worst critic. I know I'm playing like trash. I know I'm not shooting the three, but I'm trying to do the little things. DB going to still be there on the defensive end trying to minimize points from their best players. Taylor Jenkins told Dylan Brooks, it's not about doing more. It's just about doing better. And if Brooks gets going, now that Desmond Bain's gotten going and Steven Adams is going and even Jaron Jackson is going, I mean, everybody's going. Look out. The Warriors are looking at a Game 7 in Memphis, and I think it might just be, whoop that trick, whoop that trick. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Follow us as we approach the conference finals. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell your friends, every damn one of them. And follow us on social at This Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.